I want to do something here, and this is, uh, this is always difficult, especially for those of you that have been around for a while, because we get gun- the bishop has made us all gun-shy. Those of you that, that are new, and you don't know this about our, our founder, our bishop, he was, he was notorious for asking questions, and then when you answered it, he would tell you, no, you're wrong. And so now, for a lot of people, it, you know, no one wants to answer anything because they don't want to be wrong. But I, I want to I do an impromptu survey here if we can get a few vape, brave volunteers. And, and this, is, this is what I want to know. And, there, and, and let, me, let me preface this by saying there is no wrong answer. I, and, I, and I'm not tricking you, okay? I promise. I'm not going to trick you, and, and, and there is no wrong answer. It's really perspective and opinion and how you see it. But I, I'm now uh, been around the church a long time, and um, I've seen a lot of people come and go. And, and I have to admit to you, there are a myriad of reasons why people leave. Probably the number one thing over the years that sticks out in my mind of why people leave the church, number one, bitterness. Got offended. Something happened. Unresolved. They let it fester. The bitterness started eating on them. The next thing you know. There are some people that left over personal issues that they had, things, inner battles they had with themselves. There's a myriad of reasons why people leave. And we could sit here tonight and we could talk about that. But I don't want to talk about why people leave. I really want to just for, and I'm not going to be very long. I got a reputation to keep up, so I, I got to cut this down. I really want to really ask the question tonight, not why do people leave, but why do people stay? We focus on everyone that leaves. But the question is, what makes someone stay? Well, okay. <laughs> you said, where else are we going to go? It's true. <laughs> because let's be honest, okay, let, let's just... Let's just Go real, real straightforward for a moment and just be honest, okay? And even some way step out and be a little, not non-biblical, but, but just be honest with each other for a moment. We all start off with the desire to be saved. We start off with desire that we don't want to go to hell, but, but after a while... Now, do I believe that Jesus can come back right now? Yes, but there's a lot of things in the Bible that point to that not being the case. So, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. And we don't have the time to get into all that tonight. So, you and I are likely going to have, unless we physically die, if we're going to make it in the rapture, we've got some time left that we have to live for God. And, and I've said this publicly recently over the last few months, it grieves me to watch people 
give 30 years. I'm not talking, and please, this is no disrespect, but, you know, there's people that come and go after a few months. There's people go after a few years. There's some that stick around for five years. There's some make it to 10 years. But, and, and they're all, every single one of them is important. But it grieves me to watch people that give 25, 30, 35 years of life to something and then just walk away. Now, that's one thing to do on a job because you can get a retirement plan. But to walk away after 35 years, 30 years, it just, it grieves me. And we can go through all and figure out why. But the question is, what makes someone stay? Well, what makes someone stay? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get a couple because I'm not, we could go all night with this. But I, I, I'm going I'm to ask, I'm going to ask for, I might ask for volunteers who's going to come up to you and you're going to see, put you on the spot. But here's what I want. Just a one word answer. Don't, you don't have to give me some biblical, you know, nine chapters and six verses in the Greek and the Hebrew. Just give me one word answer. Why someone stays as long as they do. And I, I want to I start right over here because they're, they're, they're some of our, our, and I say senior, not as in age, but they've been around as long as any. Brother Bishop, I want you to give us in one word why you think is the key for someone staying in church for how long now have you guys? 40 plus years. Give me one word. I can only say why I'm here. Okay, give me for you. The vision. Vision. Don't preach my message now. I was hoping you said something else. <laughs> Vision. Somebody else, give me, somebody raise your hand. Give me a volunteer right here in the front. Sister Murphy, what do you think? What is the key for someone? One word. One word. Liberty. Relationship. Relationship. Brother Bond right here, sir. What do you think? Give me, give me one word. Calls. Calls. He, she agrees. How about... Hope. Sister Gross, a good one. Heaven. I like it. Right here. I'm coming. We are right. Let's stop here. Truth. Truth. Purpose. Purpose. I like it. She took it. Okay, one, one more here, Brother Bray. Tell me what you think. Friends. Friends. Again, I said this. I, they're all they're all right answers. There's not one, one answer that's, to me, above another where you can say, well, that's wrong, that's right. It's not about that. But just recently, the Lord has just kind of been talking to me. I've been kind of just observing and watching. Watching some people that at one point were here and I've watched them kind of slip to there and, and I'm trying to think, okay, what, what, what's the underlying, in my, my, my field, again, like I said, I'm not trying to tell you this is the definitive answer, just my thought, my purpose on it. And to me, the thing that jumps out more importantly is what we've been talking about right here. Let's go back when they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then what's the next part? Give us this day our daily bread. 
Not only was that a prayer that he was teaching, but he was also giving order of priority. The biggest thing I see and watch people as they begin to struggle, it's when their vision gets bigger than God's vision. When their need overrides the need of the kingdom. Not Antioch. We're not talking about Antioch. We're not talking about, we're not talking about this church. We're talking about the kingdom. Because when you start living your Christian life on a need basis, and I know the group we're talking about, who we're talking about in here, but, but maybe the Lord can help you. You can spread the word. But when you start living your life on a need-based relationship with God, that's when things start to go south. When you start looking at what I need and what I've got to have and what this has got to be, and, and even sometimes we cloak it in nobility. Well, what's about my ministry? What's my, what's my place? And what's my, 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 my? Not, not, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. It's more, God, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I'm not doing that, I, and it's, you start to get that kind of process in your mind. Suddenly now... You become so consumed by your immediate gratification and satisfaction. Let me ask this question. You can only answer this, and I'm not going to put the microphone in this for this one. Why are you here tonight? Why are you here? I mean, let's serious. When's the last time have you stopped for a moment and thought, why am I here? When's the last time, and, and, and I know this is a little deep, and, and again, I'm not going to, we're not, we're not going to explore the, the depths of the universe tonight, we're just going to skip a few rocks. Why are you here? I'm not something you got to sit down every week and, and think about, but occasionally you got to stop and think, why am I here? Why is that important? Because if I forget why I'm here, and I start just showing up, this becomes religion really quick. When I stop thinking, why am I here? Why am I, why on a Thursday night when it's minus 55 degrees outside? And I know Brother Joel and Brother Trombley, you, you guys from the upper reaches of New England, this is nothing. But you know what, man, my heart is in the south. This is cold, man. Good Lord. <laughs> Man, I'm like, okay, Lord, could you just pick us up and move us out for a little while? This is brutal. Why are you here on a Thursday night? Now, I know, let's just, let's just be honest, okay? There are some of us here that we're here because we're supposed to be here, and that's it. <laughs> like, I might get real quiet quick. <laughs> We're here tonight because, you know, we got to be here. We're leadership. We have responsibilities. we got this. We have to be here. We all go through those phases. I've, I've said to people before, being a preacher sometimes is the greatest salvation of my soul. I'm being dead serious, okay? A little transparent, but I'm going to be transparent. Why? Because there's sometimes I don't feel like praying. There's sometimes I'm struggling. If it wasn't for the fact I had something greater than myself to pull me out, 
Sometimes your ministry and your, your responsibility that you resent is going to be the thing that saves your soul. But why are you here? Well, why, why are you here tonight? Why are you here? What, what's, what caused you to come here tonight? I can't, that, that, that's not a one-word answer for everybody. It's different. But why are you here? When's the last time you thought, why am I here? Because you see, if I said to you tonight, after church, we're going to go out back. Now, let's just pretend it's not so cold and there's no snow on the ground. But after church, we're going to go out back. There's a brother Johnson and brother Whaley just went down and they just bought uh, 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 10 tons of sand and it's out on the slab. And after church, I just need a few volunteers just to go out there. And we're just going to fill bags of sand. We're just going to do that. You know what? We have some really just good, hardworking people in here. They would do it. There's a lot of us would be, you know, I got to go, got to get home, got to go to work. You know what? I'm not going to go fill bags of sand just to fill bags of sand. But if I said to you tonight, listen, we've got 10 tons of sand out there. We've got bags because there's a, there's a rainstorm coming tomorrow. And we've got to get those bags filled. We've got to put a perimeter around this church in order to save this church from flooding. I guarantee you, 90% of you would say, listen, I'm willing to spare a few moments to save the church. I'm willing. I can't fill a bag, but I'm at least going to help hold one. I, I'm not strong enough to carry them, but, but, but I can be there to support and cheer you on. Because why? Because the vision gives purpose to the action. I'm going to say it again. The vision gives purpose to the action. If there was no vision, it's like, why are we doing this? We got better things to do than fill a bunch of bags with sand, preacher. We've got other things we can do. But when you see the vision for it, there's purpose to the action. All of a sudden, it's not, why do I have to do this? It's, what can I do to help the situation to further the vision? It doesn't become resentful because I've got to spend an extra few minutes after church filling bags. It becomes fulfilling and rewarding and gives you purpose because you know it's helping the vision. And when you start losing sight of the vision, the things that you are doing, you begin to question, why is this worth it? What's the point? Why do we do this? And why do we have to do that? And why do we do this? And why do I've got to pray? And why do I've got to read my Bible? And why do I've got to come to church? And why do I've got to do this? Don't I just stay at home and sing a few songs and pray over my food and, and read a few scriptures every once in a while? What's wrong with that? That's a person that's lost vision. Because when I see vision and when I have vision, the things that let's be honest, can be a little monotonous. Hey, there's a lot of stuff that we do in this Christian walk. I know I'm in the right church, and I know Bishop, if he was here, he'd probably give us a long Bible lesson of what's, what we're doing wrong. But can we be honest? Sometimes this Christian walk can be boring. I know we have grace, and I know we got mercy, and I know we got all that good stuff. I'm trying to get there. Trust me. Pray for me. You're there, pray for me. But there's some things that just are. 
I'm telling you, yeah, exactly. It, it's just sometimes, you know, it's just like, I, I need to stop. I need a break. But you know what? The times I feel that way are the times I lose sight of the vision. That's when I start praying, give me my daily bread. And then thy kingdom will come. Now, let me share this with you here. We're, and I'm almost done, I promise. I want to read you a passage of scripture that uh, that's a lot of times misquoted. I don't mean that negatively. But what's the shortest scripture in the Bible? Someone shout it out. Jesus wept, right? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. We use that, and, and, and yeah, I, I, won't say, I won't say it's wrong. It's just I, I don't think that's the proper interpretation. We use that a lot to talk about see Jesus cries and he feels. And the Bible does say that we have a high priest that's touched by the feeling of our infirmity. But if you read the entire story, then exactly why he was crying. Because watch what happens, right? The beginning of the chapter, Lazarus dies. Woo-hoo, died. Jesus is away. And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, guess what? Uh, um, Lazarus died. You know what? Jesus didn't crumple to the ground. He said, hey. Hey, fellas, we got to take a trip. We got to go wake up Lazarus. We got to go wake him up. He had already proclaimed what was going to happen. So he shows up. And who was Lazarus' siblings? Mary Martha, right? So he shows up there. And the first thing that happens is, what is he greeted with? Where were you? Why weren't you here? If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Wait a minute. This is the same guy who was walking down the street, saw a funeral procession, says, stop. Put the body down. Get up. Really, honestly, the response should have been, thank God you're here. Because now you're here, I know that all things are possible. Because I've seen you, I've heard you, I've watched you do miracles. And you know what? Now that you're here, he's dead, but he's only dead for a moment because I've seen you've got all the power. But what did he say? Well, if you would have been here earlier, he wouldn't have died. So then a little later, Mary says the same thing. And this is what the part of the scripture I want to reference here. Let's go to, thirst, let's go to verse, uh, oh, oh, it's good stuff. I got just a minute. Let's go back up to verse 20. 11, John eleven twenty. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, and Mary sat still in the house. There's something right there that puzzles me. She sat in the house. She knew he was coming. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been there, my brother would have not, would, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wouldst ask. So she's trying to, She's trying to wrap her doubt with faith, trying to you know, dress it up a little bit, you know. Lipstick on a pig, so to speak, you know. I'm going to slap you, but, you know, 
You know, Jesus, you know, what's up with this? Well, oh, you're, I know you're God. I know you're God. I mean, what are you doing with my, my life? But God, I, I trust you. I trust you. I, uh, you're terrible at your job, but Lord, I know you're able to do anything. I mean, come on. A little, she's backtracking quick here. And then Jesus, like, just very calmly says, Thy brother shall rise, Martha said unto him. I know that he shall rise. Shoo! Right overhead. John, just, we can become so consumed in our moment that we miss our answer. I can become so consumed in my life and my situation that when Jesus shows up and gives me the answer, it just goes right over my head. And he says to her, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he'll rise again. He'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I love this. I am the resurrection and the life. No, 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 you're, you're missing the whole point, sister. I'm not talking about he's going to rise. I'm talking about he will because I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, shall live. And whatsoever liveth and believeth in me shall, not, shall never die. Believest thou this? She said to him, Lord, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she said, had said so, she went on her way. Now, this is a great, this is a great story. This is one of the best. It's got drama. It's got comedy. It's got everything. Because look at this. She goes into the house and called Mary, her sister, secretly, secretly, saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. No, he didn't. You know, Martha is like a lot of people that bounce around from person to person trying to find what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Go, well, what, what do you think about this? Well, I, I think that. Ooh, I don't know. Like hey, sister, what do you think about that? Ooh, who else I got in my, in my contacts here? Ooh, oh, 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 this is a good one. They'll give me what I need. No, oh, it's the wrong person. Somebody tell me what I want. No. She just sneaks into the house and says, Psst, come here. What's wrong? Jesus wants to see you. Maybe you can get, you know, you're married. You can, you know, you, ha- you know how to work the system. See if you can get him to listen. And as soon as she had heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in a place where Martha had met him. The Jews then which were in, were with, with her in the house, comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out and followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Verse 32. Then when Mary was come to Jesus and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou hast been there here, my brother had not died. Notice. Let's just, let's just stop for a moment. She didn't know that Jesus hadn't asked for her. That was Martha's trick. That was Martha's trick. Mary, Mary thought Jesus had asked for her. Her first response wasn't, Lord, what do you want? It was, Lord, here's my situation. It wasn't thy kingdom come. It was give me today my daily bread. Notice that was her first, 
That proved where she was. Now watch this. I'm almost done. Then Mary came in and said, you know, her brother was not there. Verse 33. Now watch this. This is the key. Verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Do you know what those two words mean? The word groan and was troubled? It wasn't that he saw all those people. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just... No, you know what it means? It means he started to snort with anger. That's what the word groan means, to snort with anger. And the word trouble means he got agitated. He got angry, and, and actually the word, it's either agitate, the word trouble either means agitate or to stir up. I mean, Jesus got, he got, you pushed the right button. He got worked up quick. He got upset and worked up. And what did he say? Verse, let's go keep going, 34. And said, where is he? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Watch what happens. The next verse, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Was he truly weeping because Mary and Martha and the Jews were weeping? I, I have a hard time believing that because what, verse 33 gives us the key to why he was weeping. Do you know why he was weeping? Because he knew the time of his end was near. In fact, this was the whole event that got everything really stirred up in Jerusalem. He knew what was about to happen and he got upset and got frustrated because he thought I've done all this to prove to you who I am and now in the moments where I'm about to leave you still don't see it you still don't see the vision how many people in the Bible if we could take a quick count I don't know how many it would be I didn't take time to, to, to count them all how many people in the Bible did Jesus personally do miracles for. I, I know of at least 9,000 in two occasions he fed. We could, we could easily, easily without even blushing, estimate over ten to 12,000 people. Easy. Because there were times where it said the multitude was healed. We don't know how big the multitude is. Multitude is more than two. So it was a lot. So let's just, let's be conservative. 9,000 in two occasions, we'll just We'll just be really conservative and just say 10,000. 10,000. How many people were at the cross? How many people were at the cross? 10,000 had been touched. How many people were at the cross? And he told them when he came, I haven't come but to seek and to save that which was lost. All he was doing with the miracles was trying to show people who he was so they would buy into the vision. But even there, when they were physically seeing him, watching him do this, even they fell in the trap of chasing the miracle instead of the miracle worker. And you know what? To me... The thing I see people who stay living for God years after year after year are people that don't 
chase the miracle. They're people that stay connected to the miracle worker. Because when I start chasing the next miracle, I lose sight of the vision. And when Jesus gets arrested and put on the cross, I've got no more need for him because he can't work any more miracles now. I don't have any more need. If he can't meet my need right now, sorry, Jesus. I'll get you on the other side. And when we allow ourselves, Sister Bailey, come. When we allow ourselves to become consumed, and I know, listen, I'm not downplaying. I will say this in all sincerity. I am not downplaying in one small fraction anything anyone is going through in this room. There are some of you that are going through incredibly difficult personal situations. And I say that with all sincerity and respect to what you're going through. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong to become consumed. But how do I make it? through all this thy kingdom thy kingdom thy kingdom thy kingdom why are you here tonight why are you here why are you here why why have you taken time out when you had excuses and things you could have made up easily I mean, it's so cold out there, you can fake a cold, it's so cold. You can stay home tonight, but you came. Why? Because when you start losing sight of that question, there are things that you start saying, well, there's really no need for that. There's no need for this. There's there's no need for that. You've heard this illustration before, and I close with this, but I love it. It's, It's such a beautiful picture. Of the two men that started off on a journey, both of them were required to carry a cross. They were told, you got to carry this cross to the end. They started off, both of them carrying it. They both felt pretty good. It was an easy journey at the, at the beginning. It was easy. They had no problem. But after a while, it got a little heavy. Got a little cumbersome. Starting to weigh a little bit. You know, you, sh- you shift from your right shoulder to your left shoulder. You do the drag, you do the push. You, you find methods to, to, to weather the fatigue of the journey. And after a while, the one fellow looks to the other and says, why are we even doing this? What's the point of this cross to carry on this journey? Why does it got to be so big and so cumbersome? I tell you what, why don't we just cut a little bit off the end of this cross and, and make it a little lighter? We'll still carry it, but, but it'll just be easier. And one fellow said, I I don't want to do that. They told me to carry the cross. I'm going to carry the cross. The other guy said, listen, you do what you're going to do. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to cut a little bit off the end. Not much, but at least help. And so he cut off six inches. They went a little while longer and, 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 and and it stopped being light again. It got heavy. And he looked over and said, listen, man, it helped for a little while, but, but we got to really think about why are we doing this? And the one guy said, look, I'm not touching it. I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm just going to keep on trying my best to keep going. The other guy said, well, you can do that, but, but you're crazy. You're just out of your mind. Cut off some more. They went a little longer, and, and he did this seven more times, and, and, and it looked like the guy who had lightened his load was the smart one. And the people that, have, that had stayed 
burned down and under the blow to the pressure were, 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 the, were the dumb ones. I had to use that term. But... Because you see, a lot of people that leave say, well, why are you still there under all that load? Why stay under all that? Come with us. It's easy. Look, cut some off, cut some here, do this. It's a lot easier outside of that pressure of living for God. But the fact of the matter is they got to the end and they saw the destination. And they got so excited. The destination was there. They, they finally realized the journey was worth it. Oh my goodness, they got to the end. But right when they got to the edge of the destination, they realized that there was a giant pit, an endless cavern that separated here and the end of the journey. And they looked at it for a moment and they, they kind of measured in their eye. And, and the one guy that hadn't touched his cross, he looked at the, the gap, looked at the cross, looked at the gap, looked at the cross and realized that the cross was the exact length needed. And he took his cross and he laid it down. And that cross was what got him over the other side. But the guy that had lightened his load and made today easier. He looked at the gap and looked at his cross and realized that his decisions he had made on his journey now were going to cause him to come up short when it really mattered. You see, when you don't keep the vision, it's easy to say, well, this doesn't matter and that doesn't matter and this doesn't matter. But there's going to come a time in life when you're going to have to stand in front of the gap of the judgment and he's going to look down at you and say okay lay your cross down and you're going to have to look at the gap before you and the cross that he asked you to bury and that has to match up with this and he says well done thou good and what faithful servant father we thank you lord for everything you do you're such a good god you're such a merciful god you're such a kind and loving god Lord, you know every person in this place. You know our, our rising. You know our falling. You know when we lay our head down at night. You know when we open our eyes in the morning. You know our weaknesses. You know our strengths. You know, God, our struggles. You know our inner thoughts. You know our, our inner fights. You know all this about us. You don't judge us. You, you don't condemn us. In fact, you reach down with grace and mercy to help us. But God, sometimes we lose track of that. Sometimes we become consumed. I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to lay in our hearts a fresh understanding of the purpose. God, let a fresh desire of your kingdom, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let that be the cry of our heart tonight. Lord, if you never answer another one of our prayers, if you never, if you never heal one more person, you've already done enough to prove you're God. But Lord, I pray, God, that you would make your kingdom real to us. You would make your kingdom known to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. There's a song. We're not going to sing it, but there's a song. I don't even know. I don't even know that. I forgot the guy who sings it, the artist, but it's an older song. It says, Lord, whatever 
you're doing in this season. Don't do it without me. And you know what? I, I, my prayer is for myself and hopefully your prayer. I don't want to invest all my time in training and learning and growing just to miss out on the opportunity when God finally puts all this into action. Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Praise God. Amen.